Well, we're going to jump into the Word this morning. I want to thank you for being in God's house this morning, uh, making it a priority. Let's make it a priority to love the Lord and worship Him. And uh, as Pastor Kimmy mentioned, there's some that are away this weekend and different things. And so we're excited about what God is doing. Uh, and we're excited to have you joining online as well. And uh, so we believe God has something to say to us. So we want to turn our hearts and eyes to the word. So let's get into that. Let's start with a prayer. Lord, thank you uh, for your uh, uh, ability to speak to us. There's nothing that can silence your voice. Your voice is, is strong and mighty and powerful. And Lord, we want to just know uh, you to know that our hearts are yielded and our ears are open to hear you today. Lord, we pray you give us eyes to see and ears to hear in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for every person that's uh, listening this morning, that's in the room, that's online. Lord, we just thank you for their hearts, uh, that they're turned towards you. And we pray, Lord, more than just that we would hear, but Lord, that we would be transformed by you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're continuing in our series, Transformed which is a series on the power of the cross. And last week we were talking about overcoming temptation. And I think sometimes when we think about the cross uh, and some of the suffering that uh, Jesus went through and some of the suffering that he's asked us to face, uh, to take up our cross, to deny ourselves, and to follow him. Sometimes it's tempting to, to kind of close our ears, isn't it? And say, oh, I don't know if I really want to hear that message. Uh, but it's something that Jesus said to us. You know, the cross uh, was a tool uh, used by the Romans. It was, a, it was rampant in its use. It was used across the Roman Empire as a, as a means of execution, as, as torture, as shame, as brutality. And it was used by the government uh, not just to kill people, but it was used to bring fear and intimidation onto the people that they ruled. Right? That was their goal. We want you to be filled with fear. You should be afraid of us. You should be intimidated by us. This was what... The cross was to those people in that day, in Jesus' day. It was to keep people suppressed and controlled by the powerful Roman Empire. It kind of sounds like government today, doesn't it? They like, they like us to be suppressed. They like us to be controlled. They like us to just, just listen to what we say and do what we tell you and you'll be okay. <laughs> doesn't it sound kind of the same? To the pagan culture, the fact that Jesus went to the cross, it seemed ridiculous because Jesus claimed to be God. So here's a man that claimed to be God who was ridiculed and shamed by, the, by that tool or that execution device that was intended to bring fear and intimidation. And it seemed that Jesus was being defeated by man. He was shamed and humiliated like a common criminal. How was this God worthy? <laughs> How was this God, this great God, worthy of worship? This God that was 
intimidated, this God that was ruled by the Roman cross. You know, our own brokenness also has this message to us. Our history, personally, our regrets, our painful experiences, they reach out to us. They reach out to us and say, you should be in fear of us. You should be intimidated by us. You know, in my childhood, I remember, uh, actually, I think I was in about grade three or grade four, and my teacher was taking the role. It was the beginning of the year, and she was asking information about families. So she said, uh, she was asking all the kids who your mom was and who your dad was. Who lived in your home? I don't know. She was taking some kind of census. I don't know what it was. But my dad did not live at home. And all of the other kids, up to the letter P, all of their dads lived at home. And I'll tell you, when she got to me, I was so filled with shame about my dad. I was so afraid to say that my dad was not with our family. My dad was not at my My dad did not love me, is what I thought. How many times has our past come with fear and intimidation? It's used our brokenness. It's used our shame. It's used our, our uh, regrets. The things that have happened in our lives to destroy our potential. How many times has that happened? I, I think it's happened to you. I, think it's ha- I know it's happened to me. That that's what the enemy does. He brings our brokenness. And he tries to rule us. And tries to keep us by that power. But Jesus wants to do something different. And this is one of the reasons why Jesus faced the power of the cross. He faced that, that execution of the cross. He He faced the shame of the cross. He he faced the brokenness of the cross. And he overcame it because he wanted to rule over it and take the weak and the broken things. And he used them to shame the wise. In fact, in the Bible, in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18, it says, The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. That's what he's saying. He said the very thing that the devil wants to use to shame you, to shut you up, to hold you back, to keep you broken, to keep you in fear and intimidation and ruled by him. He wants to turn it around and he wants you to know that Jesus can redeem that very thing. And he can use it as a powerful tool in your life. Those who understand this act of surrender, this act of dying, this act of resurrection by Jesus to defeat the power of sin, it's the reason that we worship him, isn't it? You know, for people that don't understand, it seems ridiculous. It seems foolish, the Bible says. But to those of us who've been redeemed, those of us who've been healed, those who of us have been changed by the power of Jesus, it is the most powerful act. He wasn't overpowered. He wasn't outmatched. He willingly gave in 
to the cross so that he could defeat the grave. Romans 12 says, for the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. You know, Jesus, Jesus saw the joy, not the torture of the cross. That wasn't the joy. It was the fact that he could defeat the cross, that he could overcome it, and that he could overcome it in your life. Colossians 2.15 says, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing, triumphing over them by the cross. Jesus disarmed the powers and authorities. He made a public spectacle of them and he triumphed over them using the very thing that was supposed to intimidate and defeat him, control him. You know, one of the most remarkable accounts of the Gospels, I, I just love this story. And in fact, I can remember sharing this story uh, with a workmate one time. And, and it's in the Gospels. And it's of the thieves that were crucified with Jesus. While Jesus was being tortured, while he was being mocked and humiliated, the Bible shows us that Jesus gave himself to others, even during this time. And we're going to read the account. It's found in Luke chapter 23, verse 39 to 43. It's going to be on the screen as well. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah, he said? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? He said, since you're under the same sentence, we're punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. He said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. You know, there's three truths that Jesus teaches us in this account of the Gospels. Three truths that Jesus wants us to see with our eyes. Number one, that our suffering will give us the opportunity to love others in their pain. You know, so isn't it true sometimes when we get into pain, we just see our own pain, don't we? We just see ourselves. But Jesus wanted us to see it from another perspective. Jesus wanted us to see that our pain can actually help us to see the pain in others. You know, you heard earlier that my mom passed away this week. And my mom's never passed away before. I've never felt that pain. But this week I have become very sensitive to the pain of others who've lost their parents. There's just something that happened to me. I didn't ask for it. It just happened. And Jesus is showing us that when we're in suffering, it actually will give us the opportunity to see the pain of others. The second thing that Jesus wants us to see is that the gospel is the hope of the world. You know, sometimes we get the idea that the gospel is the hope of people that don't drink, don't smoke, don't go to the casino, and they don't do things that we do, right? They, they don't, you know, they got some stuff together. Well, Jesus is showing us that no, the gospel 
is for the broken. It's for those that need hope. That's who it's for. The third thing that Jesus wants us to see is that it's never too late to call out on Jesus. You know, if you're here today, you might think, oh, I don't know, Pastor. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've said. You don't know the brokenness that's in my life. You're right. I don't know. But Jesus knows, and he's showing in this account that it's not too late for you. He wants to encounter you. He wants to deliver you. He wants to set you free from that very thing the enemy's got you held back in fear. He's been intimidating you and saying if anybody found that out about you, they would turn their back on you. But Jesus is not turning his back on you. Jesus' heart is wide open to you. And it shows in this account of the gospel that his heart is open to those who would call out on on his name. Paul said if you call out on his name, you would be saved. You would be delivered from your fear, from your intimidation, from your sin. We can feel at times that our weakness, our pain, our suffering is what holds us back from being an effective witness for Jesus. Jesus actually shows us the opposite is true. That in order to be a witness for God, it's going to require sacrifice and selflessness. And it's going to be our benefit to our benefit if we are going through some suffering ourselves. Because we can relate to those around us. Putting others uh, before ourselves. Jesus met, as Jesus met people where they were at. And he demonstrated God's love to them. If we're going to be effective as disciples of Jesus and the church of Jesus, our faith will be more than just about us. Huh? It's going to be more than just about what we want. It's more than just how how God is relating to us, but it's going to be how Jesus wants to redeem others through us. And we can be instruments of the gospel with Jesus. Like Jesus, our faith will be about having encounters with others and demonstrating God's love to them. Personally, this would mean our families. Our children, our grandchildren, our spouses, our parents, our sisters, our brothers, our aunts, our uncles, all of those people in our family. These are people that can encounter the gospel by you and me. They can be people that would encounter Jesus by our love, by our actions. Our friends, our workmates, our people will give ourselves to and love and demonstrate God's love to. I was, I was just telling you that uh, uh, this account of the Gospels of the two thieves, and I can remember I was uh, I was being kind of like an apprenticeship. Actually, I was painting and doing some finishing carpentry and stuff, and uh, with a friend of mine and his dad, and his dad was an alcoholic, and we would drive in Calgary a long a lot of times in the van together, and we would have discussions about the Lord. And uh, I remember one day, he said, it's too late for me. And I said, it wasn't too late for the thief that hung on the cross. <laughs> and he just got really quiet. And I said, 
Connie was his nickname we called him. I said, Connie, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. That's all I said to him. And he didn't give his heart to Jesus that day, but he gave his heart to Jesus. He did. And, he was, and when he died, he was loving Jesus and serving Jesus. It's really cool how our lives, our love for people, our prayers for people, our care for people. God wants to use us in helping others to encounter him. You know, as a church, we will also lay down our wants and preferences for others. When it costs us something. And Pastor Kimmy and I were just looking at the budgets this week. And looking at our next budget year, which starts in August. And we're saying, you know what? We've got to have room in this budget that's going to cost us something to take the gospel to others. We've got to be getting out of this place. We've got to break open the walls a little bit. And we've got to start getting out with some teams and taking the good news of Jesus. And we do that online. And we do that in some of our teams around here. And our young adults are away this weekend and things like that. But we want to see some more directed, intentional taking of the gospel out of this place. And it's going to cost us something, right? That's what we were talking about this week. We're mistaken when we think that ministry is only for our benefit or it's for our benefit first. It's often for the benefit of others first. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9, he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest. Ask him. To send more workers into the fields. <laughs> what a great visionary Jesus was. He was talking about our eyes. He said, get your eyes on something else. Don't just have your eyes on yourself. Don't just have your eyes on your own needs. Just don't have your eyes on your own wants. What God should be doing for you. What people should be doing for you. What the church should be doing for you. But let's have eyes for others. Let's have eyes for the harvest field. Let's have eyes for the Holy Spirit is at work. Let's have eyes for what God is doing. Praise God. There's young people at Gateway Church that are excited to take the gospel. Thank you for Alicia and Nathaniel that are, that are just powerhouse people taking the gospel into the world based out of Kona. But going into all kinds of places of the, of the earth. Thank you for Lilia who's based out of Greece going into some of the eastern uh, um, what do we call those nations? Uh, some of those closed nations. I don't even want to say where they are because I don't want her to get into trouble. But she's going into countries that are closed to the gospel. Why is she doing that? Because she sees the hope of Jesus for people. And she's in, uh, in fact, one of the countries she goes into is Iran. And you know Iran is, the church is growing in Iran right now faster than any other nation of the world. Do you know that? You know that? People are hungry for the gospel. People are hungry for Jesus. People are longing for hope. People are tired of living in their fear and their intimidation that the devil's had them under. And they're in their brokenness and their shame and they're seeing Jesus wants to come and unlock that door for them and set them free. And praise God for girls like Lilia. That it said, you know, I am going to live my life for Jesus. I am going to go where someone told me I can't go. And I'm going to bring the message of Jesus there. Thank God 
I wish I could tell you the rest of the stories about our young people, how they're going. But i got to stop there. You know, Gateway's mission is to live out the gospel in a missional community, which just is fancy talk for saying, you know what? We're going to be a family that reflects Jesus. When we need to forgive each other, we're going to forgive. When we need to pray for one another, we're going to do it. When we need to love each other, we're going to do it. When we need to see a miracle, we're going to do it. We're just going to do the gospel together. And then he says, and then our, our statement says, and then we're going to proclaim his kingdom to all the world. This is the mission of Gateway. What does Jesus say we can do in our weakness? I want to just leave you with these three things before we go today. Three things Jesus says we can do. Do you feel weak? Do you sometimes feel fearful? Do you sometimes feel intimidated? Sometimes you feel shame. Sometimes you feel broken. Anybody here besides me? Sometimes I feel like that. Well, I want you to know Jesus said, here's some things that we can do in our weakness. You know, Jesus is a permission giver. He doesn't say, you know, wait till you got it all together. Wait till you're all polished up. Wait till everything is perfect in your life. Wait till your relationships are all perfect. Wait till your finances are all perfect. Wait till your language is all perfect. Wait till your car looks perfect. Wait till your house looks Everything is perfect. Your family's perfect. Everything's perfect. Then you can go, well, Jesus, no. That's not what Jesus does. He's a permission giver. Jesus is our redeemer. Jesus is our, is our salvation. He is the one we hold on to. I'm not, I'm not giving you permission to be a bonehead. And be a jerk and be sinful. I'm just saying the enemy has won over us fear and intimidation. And the cross wants to destroy those things and set us free that we can live our lives for him. He gives us permission to do more than we feel like we can do. Number one. Here's the first one. Growing churches pray. <laughs> These are going to be simple. Growing churches pray. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You know, growing churches, they don't just think about themselves. They don't just hold back and wait till they perf they're perfect. They pray. When we pray, we grow. Right? If we're just waiting to grow, it's going to be a prayerless time. We need to get on our knees. We need to open our mouths. Praise God. You know we have church-wide prayer uh, every Sunday morning. And it's at 9.15 now because we uh, moved our service time back from 11. And people are starting to figure that out. If you need to remind some people you don't see here this morning, you know, oh, you remember church starts at 10 now. Uh, this week, so just invite them and offer to give them a ride next week because we need a little reminding, don't we, when that happens, when we change the time. So here we are at Churchwide Prayer, and I'm just amazed at Churchwide Prayer because I can never get a prayer in edgewise. Everybody else is praying. They're butting in front of me. It's just crazy how people want to pray. And I congratulate you, Gateway Church, that you have a hunger to pray. But I want to tell you, we need more. Let's not be satisfied by what we have. Let's all dive into prayer. Let's all dive into approaching God's throne. Let's all go to our Father in heaven. Let's, be, let's receive from him what we need and not be held back.
by our enemy. We, growing churches, pray. The church that prays is a church that grows. And without prayer, we're powerless. We're a power, all we got is Pastor Greg doing this, blah, 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 blah. And as good as my preaching is, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. We need a move of God. We need his grace. We need his power. We need his mercy on our lives. We need uh, families to encounter the goodness of God. We need God to do his thing. Praise God that people prayed for me and my family. You know, if I, if I was somebody, I would never have prayed for my family. I would have just said, oh, that family, that's hopeless. That's brokenness. That's shameful. That's a mess. How could God ever do anything with that? <laughs> Isn't God good? Isn't God good? Isn't Jesus amazing? Oh, I just thank God. I thank God that he doesn't look at things like we do. He has a different eye. He has a different ability. He has a different redeeming power that he can use to change lives, touch lives. And he can do it through prayer. Thank God that people prayed for our family. My mom, I remember her kneeling by my bed and saying, honey, just, just call out on Jesus. She'd just be teaching me how to pray. And she would be praying. You know, just simple prayers. But I can just remember her teaching me how to call out on Jesus when I was a young guy. Probably, I was probably not that young. I think I was probably 12 or something. But it seemed like I was pretty young. And I remember tears on my cheek, hot tears, as I encountered God's presence on my bed. Thank you, God, that you change lives by the power of prayer, God. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray you'd forgive us when we haven't come to you in prayer. God, when we've been too busy, when we've made excuses, when the enemy's come in and distracted us, when we've got hungry and, and sought after things that aren't really all that good. God, we pray you would draw us, Lord, into our closets to pray in Jesus' name. When we lack, <laughs> when we have something to complain about, what do we do? Do we just run harder? Do we just try harder? Or do we pray? I want to encourage you. Let's be a church that prays. Let's pray in our teams. Let's pray in our prayer groups. You know, prayer groups don't just get together to, to, to talk and to discuss things. Well, let's get to prayer. Pray, pray, pray when you get together to practice. Worship team, don't forget when you get together to practice your instruments. The best thing to do is to pray that there would be power in the worship. Pray in your meetings. When you're meeting to plan things and strategize. Pray that we have God's heart. Pray in our services. Let's pray in our groups. Let's pray in our homes. Let's pray in our families. Man, I just was telling you that story about my mom kneeling by your be my bed. Do you kneel by your kid's bed? Do you get on your knees? Do you show them how to touch God's heart? I encourage you parents, there's nothing more powerful than getting into God's throne room. There's nothing more powerful than getting into God's presence, to encountering his grace in our time of need. Nothing more powerful. Pray in your workplace. 
Are you just there complaining about your workers? Are you just there complaining about your boss? Are you just there complaining about the customers? Well, I want to encourage you. Be a person that prays. Pray in your weaknesses. Pray, pray, pray. Second thing. Growing churches, see. Matthew 9, 36 says, But when he saw the crowds of people, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep that had no shepherd. In our times of challenge, do you have a tissue that I can help with? In our times of challenge, times of lack, thanks, honey. I'm getting fired up. Times of challenge, times of lack, we can get looking at our problems. Jesus asked us to get our eyes on the mission, on people who need to encounter him. That's what he asked us to do. Praise God that we're doing that. Thank God. There's a group that's meeting on Tuesday nights, the Freedom Session. There's leaders taking training. Why are they taking training? Because they have a heart to help people that are held back from their freedom. They're held back by addictions. They're held back by brokenness. They're held back by choices in their life that have brought destruction. And I just say, thank God that we're a church that wants to see people in their brokenness. Thank God for the group called The Key that meets here every week with women who are caught in addictions. Every, I don't remember what night it is. I think it's Wednesday nights. And uh, if, you, if you're needing help, if you're a lady, man, I just encourage you, get a hold. There's a, there's a group of people. Thank God for children and young people in ministry that goes out to them every week. Young adults and, and little, little kids in the nursery. Praise God for Ronna Dent, who she came to me the other day and said, Pastor Greg, I know we said we're only going to have the nursery open every second week. But she said, I need to ask you something. And I was like, oh. You can't get enough volunteers. We're only going to have it open one week a month. She said, no, I want to open it every week. I got enough volunteers now. Uh, I just said, praise God for Ronada. And praise God for people that want to love the babies. I want to just do something here really quick. If If you're like maybe my age, like say over 50 and older, and you've encountered Jesus when you're over 50 and older, just stand up. There's a few of us. Okay. Okay. No, stay standing. Stay standing. Just, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to say anything or do anything. Okay. So if you're, if you're someone who's encountered Jesus, say, between 25 and 50, then put your hand up. If, you, if you've given your life to Jesus in that age. No, stand up. Stand up if that's when you gave. Yep. That's really cool. Now, if you've given your life to Jesus from zero up to 25, stand up. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing how many children and young people give their hearts to Jesus? Praise God for the older ones like us. Praise God for the middle ones. But man, isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? And every week there's ministry at Gateway Church. People are seeing. You want to know? You want to lead someone to Jesus? You want to have an impact on a life? Children and young people. There's teams right here at Gateway where you could do it. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Thank you, Jesus. Number three, last one, and then we're going to end, and we're going to go home celebrating. Number three, growing churches. So the first one was growing churches. Pray, 
The second one was growing churches. See, these are things we do in our weakness. Not when we're perfect. Right? Growing churches, ask. Pray, see, ask. When we see problems, a common approach to a problem, at least for me, is to complain. <laughs> and I'm not going to ask you to stand up. <laughs> Everybody that agrees with me, stand up now. <laughs> We'd all be standing probably. Most of us. When we see a problem, common approach is to complain. Another approach that Jesus gives us permission to do is to ask. <laughs> it's right out of the gospel. He said to ask. When we see a problem, ask. Asking is not presumptuous. You know, sometimes we can think, Oh, you're just one of those charismatic churches. You're one of those Pentecostal churches, and you name it and claim it and gab it and grab it and all those kinds of things. And really, that's not what we teach. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying asking. Asking is not presumptuous according to Jesus. It's not, it's not stepping out of bounds with him. He told us to ask. Asking is not rude. It's not rude to ask, Jesus said. Asking is not proud. Asking can be all of these things, but I'm just preaching the opposite here because Jesus told us you can do it in a way that's not presumptuous. You can do it in a way that's not rude. You can do it in a way that's not pride. Asking is an act of exercising our faith. Jesus said when we're in lack, when we feel like we're on our back foot, you know, we don't know what to do. We're not like charging forward. We feel like, oh. What does he say? Remember, God is our father. He's your father. What kind of a father do you have in heaven? You have a good, good father. A good father. That's why you can ask. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it will be given to you. That's what Jesus said. Faith is not a reward to those who have it all together. It's a response of a father whose heart responds to children who are asking him. That's what it is. I never thought of my dad as being someone who would help me. But there was one time when I was in Bible college, and I had run out of money. I didn't have enough money to pay for my semester. And I had done everything I could think of to try to get through that mess that I was in. And one day I called my dad. I didn't have any intention of asking him anything. Just thought I'll call him and talk to him. But near the end of the conversation, he said these words. Is there anything I can do for you? I almost fell off my chair. I never even thought of that. Never even crossed my mind. And I said, actually, yeah. I don't know if that's what he was expecting. <laughs> Maybe he wouldn't have said it. But I said, Dad, I need help with my tuition. And he said, how much do you need? And I told him, and he, and he sent, 
the money. And it helped me to stay in college that year. I asked my father. I was between a rock and a hard place. That's where I was. I swallowed my pride and I asked. See, fathers, there's times when it's appropriate to reflect the heart of God to your sons and daughters. My dad probably didn't help any of my other sisters or my brother with college. They, they might, if they're, my sister I know watches online, so now she knows. <laughs> but sometimes we get this thought in our head that, that everything has to be done in fairness and all that. But sometimes it's done because there's a need and they ask. It's okay, dads, to reflect God's heart to your kids. In our times of suffering, in our times of pain, in our times of lack, God can use these to bring hope and life to others. But it doesn't stop there. Jesus is also able to give us life and strength in those times as well. We're going to close right there. And I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And we're just going to have a prayer. Worship team's going to come. And we're just going to turn our hearts as they've been to, to Jesus. Is there something that's been holding you back? <laughs> been holding you back. Maybe there's been something you've regretted. Maybe some fear. Maybe some intimidation. You just feel like, I could never be used by God. I could never live up to to being an effective person, a minister, a person that God uses. When I say minister, I mean that God would use me to love somebody and show them God's love. <laughs> oh, man, Jesus, we're just so grateful in our weakest moments, in our, in our times of challenge. You want to work through us. You want to give us eyes to see. You want to cause us to depend and reach out to you and pray. And man, we want, and you want us to ask. And so, Lord, we do that right now. And you can just voice those words in your own, in your own way. Maybe you know of a need, someone that you care for, someone that's in your life, someone that you love. And God is just revealing them to you. And you've just eliminated yourself. Say, oh, there's nothing I could do. How could I help? Look at the mess my life is in. Well, I want to encourage you. That could be exactly, that could be exactly what Jesus needs. It's just you to open your eyes and see. Open your mouth and pray. Open your mouth and ask. Ask him to be a good father, to show himself to others. Lord, we just pray right now that you would empower us as your family, as your people, in Jesus' name, in our weakness, God, that we wouldn't be held back, but we'd be a mighty force. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you showed us the way by defeating the cross. And Lord, we pray for those that are here in this room, those that are watching online, that have never given their hearts to Jesus. As they reach out to you today, as they open their hearts to you, as they invite you to come into their lives, as they confess their sin 
to you and asking you to forgive them. Lord, we pray they'd have an encounter with you in Jesus' name. And I want to encourage you, if you're watching online and you want to give your life to Jesus, I pray that you would just click on the prayer button and someone is waiting to pray for you. If you're in this room, don't leave here without coming to the front. There's people that are ready to pray with you and introduce you to your Savior and to the one that can deliver you from all that you're going through. So we say thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Do your work in us, we pray this week in Jesus' name. Amen.